Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host Keith Perkelhammer. So today I welcome back Ty Ta from Farmer Ty's Frags. What's up Ty man? Thanks for hey, joining yeah. us dude. Uh, thank you, Keith. Thank you for having me. It was always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to do it again. So yeah, um, you did me a solid, man. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Ty was on a few months ago. I can't remember exactly when you were on, but it was a few months ago, I think. I can't. Even, yeah, it's hazy these days, man. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like yesterday, but it could have been a year ago for all. Yeah, know. right. So, so um, <laughs> just to fill everybody in on who Ty is, if you don't know him, he has been keeping reef tanks since 2004. He, um, so I, I, uh, I kept the bio that you provided me a few oh, months ago, man. So this I thought is, you I thought remembered this, all I, this. No, so no, like, wow. no, this was, uh, <laughs> I thought it was a very unique bio. He spends yeah. his day and he wrote this. He spends his days collecting and propagating <laughs> the choices acros. And it's a huge advocate of aquacultured corals. His education in ocean and coastal resources at Texas A&M University at Galveston prepared him for the task of running a coral propagation business and helped him move forward with the creation creation of farmertiefrags.com his website for selling corals the choicest corals i think is what you uh, had had written <laughs> choices with, with, i probably capitalized that yeah you me, probably too. did i choices. i had to like you know uh kind of uh shorten a little bit there ty but that's <laughs> a large emphasis on acros ty is a scientist a real estate agent Daddy daycare and a self-proclaimed coral slinger, coral <laughs> slinger. But before we start chatting with uh, with Ty again, I want to thank the sponsors for the show, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate the, uh, both of these companies supporting the show, and I also appreciate the support from you folks out there for tuning in. Um, as always, please hit that like button so more people can find the stream, and um, and and also. We encourage uh, comments and questions in the chat. So, um, you know, so just a little bit of uh, housekeeping before we get into it, um, you know, with you, Ty. Uh, Bar yeah. Barnett Schutman from RVS Fish World was supposed to be on the uh, stream tonight, but he couldn't make it. So I hope to have him on in the future. But uh, Ty did me a huge, huge salad and uh, we pivoted and, and I'm uh, psyched to have Ty on again, even though it was the, uh, the last minute. But I thought this would be a great opportunity, Ty, for us to talk about um, pest prevention and control since you really have a lot of experience with this stuff. You've done a lot of experimenting. You've, yeah. um, you've yeah. really kind of tried a lot of different things out and uh, would love to um, kind of pick your brain about that. I've utilized some of your methods since uh, I had you on the stream and uh, I, uh, you know, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I think I think uh, some of the stuff <laughs> that's successes so far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Results. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, so let's let's kind of like start off though with the um with this discussion about um talking about quarantine systems in general in, in terms of for, yeah. for corals, right? What's uh what's your quarantine system like? What uh, what kind of tank size do you have? Equipment setup and all that fun stuff. So, you know, with my system, size is a limitation. So, you know, I'm, I have about 200 square feet I'm working with here. Oh, so that's small, man. So, yeah. So, you know, things have to be a little compact. You know, we're uh, we're getting to the point where I'll, I'll probably be expanding in the near future. We'll chat about that a little later and expand on that. But um, for now, what I have is I have essentially my quarantine system slash backup. So for me, 
you know, I, I like to duplicate some of my colonies, things that I don't want to lose in case, you know, some issues happen with the main system. I mean, we're SPS guys. We all know it. Something's going to happen. You know, something's going to come up. Yeah, dude. There's a clog in a yeah. tube somewhere. Oh, you know? yeah, for sure. <laughs> so so there's always something that's going to come up. So having the backup was the main kind of reason I wanted to set it up. But then I kind of utilize it as my QT now, too. So as the system has matured and, and gotten to that point where it can, you know, keep corals alive and happy and Heck, sometimes some of the corals look better in that system. They look at my displays. So it just kind of depends. You know, one one treats one better. Some might, the Millies might like this system better. The other one might like, you know, torts and whatever else better. So, um, but I will say, as far as how I approach it now, everything goes into the quarantine. And since I know that that is a completely different system, um, I, I'll be honest, I have different strategies to it that maybe some hobbyists may not do the same. Um it, it allows me to have a little more freedom of like, oh, my gosh, if I put this piece in, is it going to nuke my whole tank? Well, no, probably isn't. But it's such an isolated system that I don't have to worry about killing my, like, you know, 12-year-old Oregon port colony. You know, like I don't have to worry about those things. So for me, some pieces that come in a little more delicate, I will even bring them right in and and not dip them right away. I will observe. I will flip them over. I'll look on the bottom. And guys, uh, you know, acro guys, you guys look at the bottom. Always look underneath. Um, the shading is different. The coloration is different. It's usually kind of a tan body underneath. So you can see things very easily. Yeah. You can see bugs running around. You can see bite marks. You can see whatever you do, need to um, see. Do you use like a, um, a magnifying glass or a, a microscope? Uh, it would be it would be good of me to use one. But um, I've actually wanted to look at getting like one of those stereo microscopes, you know, with the bifocal eyes and kind of zoom in and. It's, it's at a magnification enough that's not too much. It's enough that you can kind of get a more zeroed-in view, but I haven't gotten to that point where I've gotten one. The main reason is I always worry about salt water. So when you're using any equipment, yeah, if I buy the wrong stereo microscope and it's got like lots of metal parts, and I think it's going to be rusted in like four months in my what is a uh, What does so, a microscope like that cost? Uh, You know, I mean, just... Briefly, me looking online, I could see a couple about 250 range. That's not terrible. To, uh, 200 range. And that's kind of, you know, that's like kind of, I wouldn't say obviously not lab grade quality, but enough that you can kind of get a better bird's eye view of, or a zoomed up view of like things, anything that you can pick out. But I'll say most of the time, visually, just putting them under brighter lights, killing the flow. And as weird as it sounds, but not out of the water, get them in the water. And look at them because I've had a harder time identifying and seeing pests or seeing anything when they're out of the water. And when you get them in the water, you can actually let the little critters kind of run around and kind of see things moving along. And, you know, like pods, white pods, gray pods, black pods, which I I was screaming at last time when we were talking. But that that's like the end all for us acro guys right now. I'm like, I'm not even worried about acrating platforms. It's the pods now, the pods <laughs> people. But um because I see them everywhere, and so the pods—that's that's the thing. Like I can't, I can't see them when they're. And out when of you're the talking, water. once you get them, when you're talking the... about pods, you're talking about parasitic pods, yeah. like black bugs, red bugs, right. white bugs. The right. the bugs that are actually on the acros. You know, I mean, there's a right. lot of pods right. out there that um, do not go onto acros and right. do not bother them. But yeah, we're talking about the parasitic uh, pods. Correct. So. Correct. Um, all right, interesting. So when you bring in a piece to your quarantine system, so how big is a quarantine system? Yeah. So it's like a whole full-blown tank with the skimmer. Full, and... Yes, yeah. So it's a full. It's even got its own apex system. 
Um, it has, I mean, it's basically a running system. It has about 200 gallons split between four tanks. I'm sorry, 250 gallons now. I added another tank. So uh, 250 gallons has its own sump, skimmer, own apex. I mean, it's it's a fully independent system. Uh, calcium reactor, everything. So, um, and I know that's why I'm saying like this setup that I had may not apply to a lot of other people and maybe their techniques would be different. So I can. Yep. We lost Ty there for a second. He's, I think he's coming back. I hear the Skype beeping. Ty, are you there? Uh-oh. Ty, Ty. Reconnecting. Reconnecting. Lost you. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, let me try to get him back, folks. Hang in there. Hang in there. It's got to be on his end, not my end. I've got a strong connection. <laughs> Bahama Lama Coral's in the house. Remy, what's up, man? Okay. I think we've got him back. Oh, okay. Ty, hey, we got you back, that. man. <laughs> hey, Is that Wi-Fi? You got you're on Wi-Fi there, man. Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Wi-Fi, but I'm hiding in the fish room so the kids can sleep. So maybe that's what it is. The Wi-Fi doesn't come down here as much. But sorry about that. No, Keith. no worries, um, man. So we were talking about so, your uh, your quarantine um, yeah. system there, yeah. and and uh, I've got a really basic quarantine system that um, doesn't have a lot of stuff on it. And actually, the frags that I put in the um, in my quarantine tank, you know, do take a beating, but, um, yeah. you know, so I've got like a 20 gallon, uh, quarantine tank. I've got a few pieces of live rock in there. I've got a, yeah. uh, a GHL Mitra's light on it. I've got a, uh, a little nano protein skimmer. I've got an ATO heater and, yeah. uh, I got a gyro pump and, and that's about it. I don't do any. Yeah. And then what I do is, um, every week when I do, um, my weekly water changes for the established, one of my established systems, I'll change out like 50% of the water and just dump it right just in there, right? dump it right in yeah. there and all that stuff. But you know, yeah. I, you know, and, and so my, my protocol in terms of when I bring new stuff in is I'll do, um, and we'll talk about this, the KCL, the potassium chloride, you know, dip, I do that once my, my frags basically stay in my quarantine system for like four weeks. Okay. And, and so I'll do a, a weekly, um, potassium chloride dip for aquarium flatworms. And then, yeah. and then twice during that four weeks, I'll do a, um, um, an interceptor you know, treat the tank, yeah, treat okay. the tank with interceptor. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, by and large, my, um, my frags do take a beating and lose, you know, some decent coloration mm -hmm. over that time. But then when I take them out of the, uh, the quarantine period and put them into, you know, one of my, um, established systems, uh, two, three weeks later, they're all colored back up. Yeah. They're good to go. Yeah. Does that happen yeah. to you? And like when you start to, uh, really treat uh, stuff like that? Yeah, for sure the dips. I mean, you know, when I used to use Bayer a lot more, I would see it less. Uh, Bayer is super just gentle on the acros. Um, but when I started switching to potassium chloride, yeah, they're going to lose a little color. They may even look a little thick. And to me, if that protects what I have, it's worth it to me. You know, um, 
there's sometimes I'll get sensitive species in, sensitive pieces, you know, like a, a speciosa or something. You know, they're super sensitive or some type of inconata or dragon variety. They, they tend to not like the dips as much. And those, like I said, because I have my unique setup, I will just acclimate them to the system first. Uh, but I am cheating because, like I said, it's a full system. I mean, it's an SPS tank in its own. Uh, it can grow colonies by itself. I mean, there's really virtually very little difference between my display system and my backup system, minus the fact that one actually has a display connected to it and the other one does not. Um, yeah, because I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, you know, I kind of wonder in terms of like, you know, the way I, um, you know, the process that I, you know, explained to you in terms of doing four yeah. different dips with the uh, potassium chloride and then the two different um, intercept interceptor treatments. You know, I'm wondering, you know, a, is that the reason why I'm losing color in, in most of the frags that I put in there? Or is it B, because um, it's a very bare-bones system, or is it a combination yeah. of the two? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Do you, you, you know, So you said you I, do lose some coloration it, when you kind of put your frags to that sort of uh, regime? Yeah. I would say even if you put it in a good, you know, stable, not just kind of a smaller quarantine system, but a full, like mine, four dips. A dip a week a week like that would would generally lose some color with it, and that's again that's with a system that can color up, just like my display system. So like the beauty of it is you know um, I have everything on racks in that backup system. So literally if I need to dip anything, any new incoming frags, and I have them all on my little um, frag rack, I literally just grab the whole rack, plunk yeah. it into a tray, yep. pull it out. Good, you know, give it a couple of shakes, blow some pumps on it, take it back and put it in. And I can do that weekly. And so that's the beauty of it. You know, saves time versus doing individual frags, shaking them all around, doing it. So, um, I've done the same thing. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a whole rack. So I would rack. Say for you, I would say if I had to put percentages, I would say 70, 80% of you losing color is probably the dipping process weekly. Uh, I've noticed the same with potassium chloride. If you do it weekly, they, they do lose color. Um, they don't get ugly and brown, but they're like, you know, a little lighter than their ultimate shine i guess and then um uh and then the rest yeah of course you know when you put them in a system that's not fully dedicated to sps you're not going to get the the same intensity of color you get with your main system so yeah you know it doesn't bother me because i've probably lost like you know maybe five percent of the uh the frags you know right. in that kind of right. regime which doesn't bother me you know Knock on wood, it hasn't been uh, super pricey uh, stuff that I've uh, that I lost because then I'm like, what are you bringing in? Because then I'd be seriously bummed, you know, if uh, if I did lose that stuff. But you know, I mean, acros are so resilient, dude. I mean, you just you know, when when you put them through that kind of like um, you know, really put them through the ringer like that, and then you put them in a fresh, you know, in a healthy system where um, you know they they've got all the uh, things they need in terms of the you know supplements and and the uh, calcium and alkalinity uh, supplementation whatever it is that you have um, you know in your system that yeah. causes you to have success they'll just color right back up you know and and um, you know so it's a beautiful kind of thing to uh, to, to see that happen you got to see it yeah, yeah. See it live in front of you yeah um, you know and it's funny you said they are very resilient they you know I I've, I've dipped frags and put them out and glued them and forgot them for like you know 20 minutes and i'm like oh this is this new piece that i glued it's been sitting out in the air drying up <laughs> plucking back into the water and it's good to go oh and really out like, in the air for 20 minutes yeah and you'll see like some bubbles on it here and there and you're like man i killed that thing and then the next day it's like yeah it's good to go so well you know um, what they say um you know they yeah. used to dry ship or, or I, I guess um ship acros out of yeah. water right put what what right. newspaper on it. we should try that as an experiment dude <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll ship you a couple of like uh, frags. You ship me a couple of frags. We'll just uh, we'll dry ship them with some wet newspaper and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, I literally last week, uh, one of my buddies, uh, John Sorgan, he's one of my best buddies. He lives right down the street. And he's worked with the Mott's lab at UT. So Dr. Mott, Misha, um, he, he, he does coral research. And uh, he has a bunch of um, grad students that work with him. And so he had a little barbecue and he's like, hey, Mott's is going to be there. And, and, the, and the grad students, we're going to talk coral acro nerd stuff. And I'm like, I'm there, I'm there. <laughs> so I bring my beard. I'm like, let's talk, let's talk, let's chat. So literally... I think four years ago when I first met with them, that was what they told me. As I, you know, when they get um, colonies shipped to them, and I'm like, oh, so how do they how do they ship them? And I'm like, oh, they just they take bubble wrap, just regular old bubble wrap. They wet it in water, they wrap the colony, tape, throw it in the box. Really? <laughs> yeah, bubble wrap in a bag, bub wet bubble wrap in a bag, toss it in the bag, no water other than that, tie it tight, and ship it. And then I said, oh, no way. And then they're like, yeah. I was like, oh, it must get there in like, you know, under 24 hours. They're like, no, it could be like two or three days later. I'm like, two or three days. <laughs> you kidding me? Yeah. And I'm like, no way, no way. So I told them the next time they get some, please let me show up. I want to see that. Full yeah, you want to see that firsthand. And I want to see what it looks like at the end of it. But uh, jokingly with my buddy, John, I was like, hey, you think people would be open to farmatized frags, sending out frags and both? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, you know what? They're going to riot on me if I send frags like that. But, uh, yeah, they come alive. Now, I'm curious, though, the loss of color, maybe? You know? I would think so. I mean, jeez, man. I would think so, too. Yeah. yeah I don't. Because if I had a nice, pretty, colored-up jaw dropper and I send it wet bubble wrap. Yeah, you're not going to be doing that, alive. dude, right? You know? <laughs> well, I would say, but you might get their line, but is it going to be as pretty? You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to take a while. People pay for pretty, so, you know, yeah. that might not be my model, but uh, I thought, well, we can change the industry. Everyone's going to ship with wet bubble wrap, you know? So. Briefkeeper saying, thank you, Keith, for not shipping my frags in wet bubble wrap. Yeah, I think I think uh, that was uh, that was the, uh, the order with the home record fragging, and for sure I was not going to be doing that. <laughs> They're sensitive enough already, home record, but, yeah. <laughs> Reef, J oh, Jake, Reef, uh, oh, uh, Remy, pick up the phone, Remy, laugh out loud. What's going on? I, I, something's happening with Remy there from Bahama Lama Coral. I think he's doing a relaunch of his channel. I haven't seen I haven't seen oh. Remy on uh, BRS there, so I guess something's going on. <laughs> um, so we got a question about um, uh, from Steve, um, Steve Hannock, 1972. And uh, this is going to kind of get us, launch us into discussion about different dips. But uh, how long after a dip before SPS opened back up? I'm just getting into sticks and I'm afraid I got um, too aggressive with them. It's been a week or better yeah. and they haven't opened up. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Yeah, that I would, I mean, and you can share your experience on it too, Keith. But like, if, if I don't see pops, if they're retracted in for more than a day, I know something's wrong. Uh, and, you know, and this is going into a stable system that's growing colonies. So if it's sitting there and the pops are retracted and really the skin looks tight, that, that thing is probably gone. Um, it's just taking his time going, but it's probably gone. And I'm not sure what he dipped it with or what he used, but um, that'd be something to look at as well. Because I know, like, I know too, you had the same experience. I've never actually used any of the commercial dips. I've never used, I, I can't even think of the names, like Reef Primer or any of those yeah. types that, um, I've never used any of them. And, and not that to say that they're not good products. I just, 
one of the things I was always afraid of it was an iodine based dip because SPS do not appreciate those type of dips. So, um, yeah, Remy is saying Fritz has a new dip called Bug Out and it's milky like bear. Haven't used it, but I'm intrigued. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if that, that's a dip for, um, for, um, the, uh, the pods, the uh, parasitic pods or, or, uh, yeah. aquarium flowers. But, um, so, dude, let's let's talk about potassium chloride because this is like okay, the best yeah. thing since freaking sliced bread that you turned me on to. And, um, yeah. you know, for years, for years, I had been using the bare advanced insecticide. Oh, yeah, me kill, too. Kill me too. Yeah. And uh, first of all, it's freaking dangerous, right? Because it's yeah. um, it's got these chemicals on it. I don't even yeah. think I could buy it in Vermont because they're not selling it here. <laughs> or at least I can't get it uh, via Amazon because they won't ship it to, uh, to, yeah. to the state. Yeah, and I think one of them, either Home Depot or Lowe's, won't even carry it anymore. Right. So at that point, you know, and, and my my decision was more based on kids. But once Home Depot pulled it from the shelves or Lowe's, whichever one I did, I was like, that even doubled down on the fact of my decision to go away from it. But, um, you know, I got kids. I don't want pesticides in my house, like within my environment that I'm around them. So you know, I just, that's why I went away from it. Jake but, is saying uh, um, bear is never an option. It literally causes cancer. Um, but, uh, there you go. I, so I had been using that for years and, um, you know, because it, that was kind of like the first dip, I think out there that a lot of folks were using to, um, right. to, um, you know, snuff out acroweeding flatworms. It does not kill the eggs, right? It kills the, uh, right. the actual flatworms on the, um, on whatever you're dipping it into. But, um, so the, the thing that I really did not like about that dip besides the uh the chemicals was the fact that it was milky white and you could not see right. what was coming off of the frag i mean almost impossible to see if you had any yeah. worms coming off because i guess if you had a lot then you would kind of yeah. see them maybe sticking to the bottom of the, uh, the container that you using you know you, you were using for that dip but yeah it was kind of like uh, you're just assuming that um right. you know there may or may not be any, you know, acroweeding flatworms. And that's like a game changer to me because you really need to know, right? You, right. you need to know. Right. I mean, if it's a clean frag, that's good intelligence. If it's a dirty frag with pests on it, that's also very good intelligence. And that, that, right. that's like a whole different game plan, right? It In is. terms of how you proceed with that information. Yeah. And Well, yeah, and you have a pack of seven. You know, I bought a seven, eight pack from whoever. And the first one I dipped, and it's clear, and I can see an acroating flatworms are flying off of it. None of those are going in my system. No. You know, so it's just seeing is knowing, you know, knowing you can save yourself a lot of trouble from the future. So, yeah, absolutely. So you turned me on to potassium chloride, and it's essentially the yeah. stuff that you would use for a water softener, right? It's right. got, it's like yeah. these big, it comes in a, uh, in a big 50 pound bag. Um, I think so. 50 yeah, pound I, bag. We, uh, we just bought another bag. And I mean, that last bag lasted me probably five years. Ago. Yeah. I mean, you so, said to uh, me, it's like a lifetime supply. And, and it literally, <laughs> you know, for, for a 50 pound bag, you, you spend 40 or 50 bucks, you know, right. and the only work that you really have to do is you have to um, grind it up into a powder, yeah. you know, and I, I've got a trick with that lately. I use I'll, a, I'll uh, I use a, a mortar and a pedestal there. So that's, uh, oh, go. what's your trick? <laughs> so my trick is, and this is the total lazy man's approach. So, judge me or laud me or, or cheer me but uh so i take a bunch of the pellets and i put it in a five gallon bucket 
So I basically fill it up as much as I can. Uh, not as much as I can. Probably like three, four inch layer deep deep of these those pellets that you get from that water softener bag. And I would fill it up with tank water. And there's actually a saturation point it reaches. Oh. So so as I leave it in there and I stir it, give it a couple of days to fully kind of dissolve, there will be a saturation point where it'll stop. And so the rest of the pellets just sit oh. there. They don't dissolve anymore. And so I'm like, oh, I've hit my max saturation on that. And then based off of that, I use that as a dilution off of that, how much I should use. So if I'm using one particular container, I know that I take 1,600 milliliters of that fully saturated potassium chloride, dump it in there, and I'm good to go. Now, once that gets all the way down, I fill it back up, and I let the rest of it dissolve. So it always meters to the max potential that it can saturate. So I always know my known leftover whatever dissolved is the same strength. It's so, dude, you're a lot more buttoned up than I am of that stuff because... Uh, <laughs> Laziness, man. <laughs> no, that's a good approach. I mean, I, I basically have a whole thing down where I've got, um, you know, I, I grind it up into a powder. You weigh it? Uh, no, I, well, I, I guess maybe I've weighed it, but I've, I've measured it out in terms of teaspoons. So, I know how many teaspoons okay. to put in whatever volume of what I'm putting it in. So, if, it, if it's like, you know, one... Um, half a gallon... Uh, no, yeah, half a gallon, I think, two uh, teaspoons, a gallon, yeah. four teaspoons, yeah. uh, whatever it is. I got it all figured out, so I know exactly uh, what to do in terms of that. But, you know, the so so the really cool thing is, like, I, I find that dip to be very gentle, um, you know. It, it is at those concentrations. Yeah. And, and, and you can max it out, so I'm just throwing that out as a warning for those listening on. You can max it out. You can zap some more. So it's not like Bayer where... You can pour that thing till it's milky white, and it still probably won't kill corals like this. If you if you hit it hard, it, they're gonna die. But you know, so. I know that I've got it dialed in correctly because you know yeah. the, the, the few times that I've had you know some acroweeding flatworms fly off, you know I've yeah. actually uh, we've talked about this or DM'd each other or whatnot. But you, they actually you can yeah. actually see them disintegrate when you blow with the turkey baster on them. I mean they disintegrate. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean that's like. I mean, I, I feel bad, like, monster thing, <laughs> but, like, yeah, you can see them just going, Oof. So, you know, so, that's working, um, you know? I mean. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, what's, um, somebody was telling me this. It's it's not, um, yeah. it, it's some sort of uh, osmosis thing that's going on there that uh, I think basically the water gets drained out of their um, <laughs> membranes and they just explode or something. I wish I had a good answer for you. I'll roll with that. I never even looked at it. Somebody you know, like it's killing things. It's somebody working. emailed me, and I've got that. Uh, yeah. So I'll have to. Uh, I'll have oh, to good. pass that along. But it was a very science. It was that. a very scientific explanation in terms of what why they're yeah. actually uh, blowing apart. So I just just leading on to that story of the gruesomeness of all of it. Like I've literally, like you said, seen one fully formed adult acrating flatworm, and when it applied to it. It sat there for a couple of seconds and then literally just, <laughs> just vaporizes. It looked like something from Star Trek. I mean, it just, and I was like, whoa. And so that guy just disappeared. But just recently, I, I brought in some Mariculture Tinius. And, you know, I try to save what I can, but like, I guess there was a crab in one of the colonies I didn't see. And I dipped it. And he fell out. And I was like, oh, no, maybe I can still save him. And I went in there to try to get him with some little. By the time my little grabbers got to him, and it was like probably like three seconds, five seconds, Keith, literally his legs were falling. Oh, off. really? Like his legs like popped off. And I'm wow. like, I don't know what mechanism caused that, but that is 
interesting and wild that his legs were just flying off of him. And I'm like, what? From potassium chloride. So, yeah, it, it does its damage. It does its damage to pretty much everything on there. And again, I, I want to say I'm, I'm strictly speaking of dipping acro. Um, I've heard it works on LPS and Zoas. I just don't have direct experience with it. So I'm just going to throw that out there. People dipping. Um, I'm mainly talking about acros. Yeah, yeah, we're talking acros. Um, Great Bearder Reef Paul is asking, what's the chemical called? Potassium chloride or something else? Yes, it's potassium chloride. Um, so, dude, I um, we were talking about this um, about uh, I had some some red planaria, um, red uh, planaria, or um, actually um, acol acol flatworms, a c o e l flatworms that were on my on on one particular Ganiapora and might have been on an Alviapora, and I was using you know commercial like dips like Coral RX, I think is. One of the dips I had been using and, you know, I was like, all right, I, you know, first I went with like the uh, recommended dosage and I went double down, then it went quadruple down, yeah. then I went double the time. Still nothing. And, um, you know, what was happening was the uh, the polyps were retracting into the skeletons of these ganis mm-hmm. and the alveoporas. And I think the flatworms were going inside with the uh, kind of hiding. Yeah. And so, you know, after I was doing yeah. those dips, they, um, they, you know, they basically were surviving there was like a good percentage that were surviving so um i took a couple of frags that had uh, a few of these um flatworms on them and uh i put them in some kcl and dude the the they <laughs> annihilated them i mean really it was like and and the <laughs> yeah. uh the ghanis and the alveopora were like less they less impacted than the coral rx dip they were you oh, know good. so it was uh that's good to know. Like I've literally never tried it on my gonies either. Well, like so. you said, I think the KCL is like you like how you can brush your teeth with this stuff. I mean, there's so many different uh, uses, right? It's just uh, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, some of the uh, oh. chat and the questions right here. QT is the best way to go. Which way to help those hidden pests like Aptasia? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're, that's tough because getting like Aptasia or, or um, you know, other pests like um, what what are the um, those worms that get into uh, display tanks that have the uh, the web, they shoot the webs out. Um, oh, vermitid uh, snails. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those are very tough yeah. um, pests to prevent. Vermitids survive everything. Like to me, they're like the the, the Twinkies of the <laughs> uh, <laughs> or the reef pest world. They're indestructible. Like. I've never found a dip that killed a vermitid before. Like once they pull that trap shut, they're completely isolated. It doesn't matter what you're throwing at it. What do you think so, about um, uh, folks seem to have success using bumblebee snails? That's what I've heard. I just never tried it myself. So I, w- I would love to give it a try because you know eventually, if you get enough of the population, then they start messing with your plumbing. You know, they start building within the the PVC itself and can start causing restrictions in flow. So. You know, they're definitely a pain. Um, I just don't, you know, I had this discussion with one of my good buddies. He's a big reef uh, acro guy too, uh, Bubba. And we, we kind of chatted a little bit about it. And, and I said, you know, it's funny because you can ask any reefer, what's a pest? And they'll name five things. Like, name me your five pests that you hate. And they, you ask another person, they'll name a different five, you know. And I get it, like, acro eating flatworms is kind of a universal thing. But, you know, I can ask it about something else. I'm like, oh, well, what do you think about vermin? Oh, they're a pest. <laughs> so me? I don't think they are. You know, or I like, don't, yeah, or like, I, I don't. Like, I don't. Star? 
they're my pet. That's not my, I'm on my list of pets, but on other people's it is. So I'm just, you know, there's some things that are not universal. Um, and I always find that like vermintid and, and, and the stars are usually the two that people always like, oh, that's a pet. I'm like, no, that's not a Yes, it's a pet, you know, so kind of funny yeah I, I agree i mean for for me vermitid i've got vermitid uh vermitid snails in both of my display tanks although um yeah, the one tank yeah. that i'm redoing I'm, I'm taking on all the established haitian live rock and swapping it out with the uh, carob yeah. uh live rock that i've been okay. cooking so i will be getting rid of the yeah. vermitids on that uh tank for sure unless they uh hitchhike <laughs> in the sand I'm my yeah i know man I don't know. Over, I don't know but um i don't know i've i've, I've had them and uh yeah, you know, when you see yeah. that web on an acro, it's like, oh, jeez, man, you know, that can't yeah. be like a good thing. But I don't know. It doesn't yeah. seem to like really impact, you know. Yeah. Have you had issues? Cause not I've really. I've never had issues with the web killing things. Yeah. But I, again, I don't keep zoas and other things. So I can see maybe it irritating zoas that they don't open. So I can see in those aspects, just directly for me, what I keep. I've never had an issue with a vermintid doing anything. Yeah. You know, negative. like I said, I. Other than cut me while I'm putting my hands in the tank. That's about it. So, Jake but. says, uh, vermitids <laughs> don't survive my screwdriver, you know, so I guess that's one. <laughs> I almost did a spit take there. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, yeah, that's one way to approach it, but uh, I don't know. That's yeah. That would be kind of uh, hard if you got a lot of them in there, I would assume, but uh, I don't know. Jake, Jake, yeah. well, I'd be interested to see what Jake says about uh, bumblebee um, snails, if that's a uh, viable uh, solution or not. <laughs> Or if Jake wants to come over, I'll be happy to have him in his Yeah, studio. there you go. That'll, that'll hang out for a couple. I'll, I'll supply the beers, you know, like just just come on over. But uh, you know, I, I real fast before we leave the potassium chloride. So, um, I had the pleasure of talking with uh, uh, doing a trade with Bob. I think his his screen name is BCS Reef. I'm not sure if you you know Bob, but um, we did a trade and, you know, we started kind of the same discussions with you and I about potassium chloride and going back and forth. And, and, and so he tried because, you know, the same things, those little gray bugs, the little white bugs that people see sometimes. And, you know, there is a, there is a certain, there are a couple of types that are actually non-parasitic that can live on your yeah. acros. But the minute I see any of them walking along, I'm like, I don't know if you're parasitic or not. You got to go. <laughs> I don't want any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against. I don't. I can't figure out which one you are. You gotta go. But he actually, he's a he's a immunologist. Yeah, he's an immunologist. Twenty, thirty years of doing that. So he like really did what I wanted to do. Kids don't allow me to do this and experiment and do these kind of things anymore. At least for the interim. Once they get a little older, I'll get back to it. But uh, he went and actually experimented with potassium chloride and experimented with um, um, interceptor. So, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my medicines mixed up, sorry. He, so the discussion for this one is for interceptor. So he went back, he decided, you know, he wanted to do an experiment on the bugs and the mount. Cause I told him, I like to bomb my quarantine system with seven to eight times the recommended amount of interceptor. Ooh. And I think we've talked about it. When I say seven to eight times the amount recommended, we're basing it off of the original red bug, yeah. which is one large dog pill, 50 pounds or whatever, that large dog pill would treat 400 gallons for red bug. So seven to eight times that to treat white bugs or gray bugs. And, you know, at first when I told him, he's like, that sounds a little absurd. You know, that's like, that's a lot yeah, of medication. Is. And I'm like, 
Well, I based it off of someone else's experiences where he encountered black bugs, he encountered white bugs, and this is the percentage or this is the amount that he needed to use to wipe them out. So Bob went back and literally tried it two to three times. He tried it one time. And the two or three times, like, really decimated the population. He thought it actually knocked everything out. But when he started looking real close, he still was able to count a couple per act. It was much less than what it was, but he still was able to count a couple. So when he went and did the seven to eight times, nothing, anywhere. Couldn't see a pod anywhere or any acro that he had. And he's like, that's it, Ty, seven to eight times. How did the acros survive that? Oh, it was no big deal. I mean, when you use Interceptor, and I'm not sure your experiences with it, but like nothing. My 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 tank didn't respond in any way to the Interceptor. Minus, you know, you might kill some pods, yeah. uh, do some amphipods, um, and you might kill any shrimp or crabs that are in your system. Um, but otherwise, those are the only detriments that we've seen. Now, he did get a little bit of cyano, and I'm not sure if that's just from the yeah. die-off of some pods in the system. And that's understandable from if you're looking at that perspective. But yeah, so seven or eight times the recommended amount was what he had the best success with. And he, I mean, it sounded like he was going counting, you know, amount of pods per acro and he was really getting into it. Um, and so I trust his work when he said, hey, seven or eight times does it. I'm like, thank you for verifying that. So now my recommendation, anybody ask me, it's like, you have white bugs, you have gray bugs, black bugs. Seven or eight times interceptor levels to knock them out, and then I'll do a secondary treatment about a week, week and a half later, just to wipe anything else that might have survived. And uh, or, you know, I don't even know if they lay eggs or not. So if they do, <laughs> give it a little time and knock it out with that second one, and you're good to go. So, so you're doing that on the um, on on your full backup system, right? So that one is my clear out system before they make it to the display. So they get bombed and everything else before they ever make it to my display. So, so are you using the, um, you mentioned the pills, right? The dog right. pills. Are you using those? Or are you using the, uh, the actual, uh, the, the chewy, um, the, the, the tabs, what are they called? The, the chewy, uh, the yeah, chewables? the flavor tabs. Flavor tabs yeah. Yeah. They've changed names with it over the years, but, um, I, I actually, if I can get the pills, I'll get I'll use the pills. But though their interceptor is kind of kind of a phased out drug, it seems like. They're not using as much the recommending Spectrum or some other brand. Um so it's real hard to get. It's real hard to find the actual just pills themselves. Pills themselves are easier. Um they just dissolve in the water and they're just the medication only. Uh with the um with the flavor tags, they're kind of these chewier, meatier kind of looking things. And they dose just fine. Just turn your lights off because your fish will might want to snap some of it up for the meaty flavorings of it. But uh, otherwise, and I, don't, I mean, I've had fish snapping up a little small pieces and they're fine. So, but ideally you want it to dissolve and get into your system. But yeah, I've used both and uh, it's been hard to find the pills themselves. So I've been, I have a whole backlog of the, of the giant meaty tablets. So. so Jake is slapping our wrists here. Please stop calling these pests bugs equals uh, reds or tegastatic. Te- I, I don't even know how to pronounce this stuff, Jake. I'm, I'm going to call it, I'm, I'm going to call it bugs that. because that's easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to say a red bug versus a white bug versus a gray bug right. versus a black bug. No, no, uh, no offense to anybody out there that might uh, think that these are. Uh, I mean, yeah, they are copepods, so they are, you know, living, right. breathing. Uh, but they, you know, arthropods. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, we, they, we understand. They, they, they're no good for our acros, so that that that's an enemy for the SPS. 
enthusiasts like exactly. us. Um, yeah, you know, I um, I had some uh, years ago. I had a uh, I had an issue with um, I don't know what kind of pest it was, but uh, it was some yeah. sort of bug, and and um, so I had to go to my uh, my veterinarian, and um, yeah, I asked the guy for like some interceptor pills, and and I and I actually explained exactly why I was uh, requesting the pills and. You know, yeah. and he, he wanted me to send him a link to show that, um, you know, the the this interceptor would actually there, you know, some sort of proof, scientific yeah. proof that there is out there that says that interceptor will kill these pests in the aquarium hobby. And so I sent him a link and he and he uh, he gave me the old uh, he gave him the sign off and gave hey. me the, uh, the pills. But, um, you know, now I use interceptor um, as per your advice, as as um, just a um, preventative measure when I bring yeah. in new frags and I, so I have the flavor tabs and I don't have the, um, the actual pills because I'm afraid to ask my vet again, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there is a place in Canada, right? I believe where you can, uh, order those yeah, from and I, I, no I questions asked before. Yeah. No questions <laughs> asked, but, uh, that, that hadn't worked for me lately. So I've actually had to go. What? To, it's not working for you. What are you direction. talking about? <laughs> You can't no, get them from there anymore. I able to get them. Like they don't, they don't ship them anymore. Uh -oh. So, uh, but but I turn my eyes towards Australia. So I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, you'll have to uh, uh, you'll have to send me that link. I I will <laughs> I will. But yeah, I've had to turn to another country and go that direction instead. I guess but, the yeah. I, I guess the authorities were on to the the folks in Canada. <laughs> Reading our threads, I guess I don't know. Um. So what else out there kind of scares you in terms of pests? I mean, we've been talking specifically for SPS, but, uh, I mean, let's right. stick to that. What about, um, you know, sea spiders? Are those scary? You know, I, they would if I've ever encountered them, but I've never encountered them. Um, it's just one of those where I think it's something more so if you bring in a lot of pieces, you know, if you're importing in, bringing in colonies, that that might be something that would concern you. Um, and I feel like, I feel like my buddy used Interceptor. Oof. Really? Kind of the same concept. They just, uh, and he dipped them with everything. I mean, Bayer, they survived Bayer. I believe they, I'm not sure if they used potassium chloride back then, but he tried a bunch of the commercial dips. Even iodine dips didn't kill them. But I feel like, excuse me, he said he did, finally he tried Interceptor. And, Interesting. So it took care of but um yeah it was really interesting because he's you know he's, he's a scientist too and you know he was observing and, and watching them and he could literally see they had some like kind of proboscis kind of attachment on their mouth and would literally just go into the flesh and just you can see them just sucking away at uh, it and like, well, that can't be good yeah that's <laughs> kind of that's now i'm gonna have nightmares tonight all right well uh, <laughs> um so canopy uh, explorer is saying i just ordered some i'm assuming interceptor from the uk delivered in less than a week um somebody oh, somebody's saying mexico <laughs> <laughs> we're going all the other countries <laughs> um youtube reefer is wondering about bobbit worms yeah that um i oh. i had um have you encountered bobbit worms no no yeah. no those things are and I mean, I'm more, it's more rare than anything but yeah 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 no there's uh that's that's a that's a scary freaking organism that's yeah. an alien like oh, yeah. uh organism you know, and and uh, I've, I've, uh, my understanding is that they could actually eat through silicone, so uh, you don't want one of those things to. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Chris at ACA Aquaculture, we've had success with three to four time does for all of these pests except the psyllids. Uh, um, uh, Chris is probably talking about uh, mom. Chris, what are you talking about? Peppermints take care of the flatworms and nudie brand. Okay, yeah, maybe the intercept is what he's talking about. Okay. Um, Good. I appreciate him sharing that. Yeah, and uh, right, and this is another thing that um, I've I've, um, I've I've used um, Chris's uh, another uh, method that Chris uses, which is he's got these um, special peppermint shrimps from I guess it's the uh, the west coast of Florida that uh, apparently okay. can uh, he, uh, eat the uh, the aquarium flatworms or flatworms or other kind of pests. So um, oh. I know that, um, and he's also saying that's. Uh, Something that can be uh, taken care of, um, Monty eating uh, nudibranchs. Do you? Um, oh, I've heard nothing takes those out. That's awesome. Yeah, have you ever encountered those? The Monty eating nudies? No, I've actually, I, I, I never encountered them. I've heard they're impossible to get rid of. You know, or at least not impossible, but really hard to get rid of. Even if you get rid of your Montys, you know, they still kind of linger for a little while. So. Yeah. Anybody out there that knows how to get rid of Monty eating nudies? I don't have them. I had them years ago, yeah. and I just kind of like live yeah. with them. And that was a yeah. whole other system that I broke down, but um, yeah, th those um, those would not be. Uh, well, I guess uh, Chris is saying intercepted would take those out. I okay. Oh That's no, I'm sorry. He's that. saying peppermints. I'm mixing up my okay. uh, my my treatments here. We we got too many solutions <laughs> and too many problems. They're getting mixed up. But um, so what what when when are we going to actually have a solution for getting rid of acro eating flatworm eggs? Right? When is, when is somebody going to have I a mean, breakthrough for that? I mean, I, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. The eggshell is protecting the, you know, the viable um, young and, and, and it's doing its job. I mean, unless we have something that can actually absorb through that whatever sack, then, you know, we won't ever have a solution. I mean, you know, in that yeah, no, I think it's, um, I think the best practice is always to closely inspect new frags that you're bringing in, yeah. right? Obviously you dip them. And if something yeah. comes off, then you got to take a real closer look. But um, you know, never keep the plug. Do yeah, cut off, cut cut the uh, frags off yeah. the uh, plug. You know, if it's a fully encrusted uh, frag, I know that hurts, right? Because it's like this beautifully uh, encrusted frag, <laughs> you know, and it's got all this beautiful base on it. And here you are taking yeah. a, you know, taking off the freaking plug and ruining like six months' work or whatever it was to encrust. <laughs> so so here, here's the cheat. This is when I get real cheap. Especially if someone like, you know, let's say someone sent me a jaw dropper that's fully encrusted. Now, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll snip off the top of most things, but if someone sends me a fully encrusted jaw dropper, I'm like, that's some good encrustment there. I don't <laughs> want to get rid of so, <laughs> so, you know, it's different when it's like 900 bucks an inch. You're like, I don't really want to waste an encrustment. So, so here's my trick with that, uh, Keith. I'll, I'll literally, I'll snip the bottom uh, foot of that plug off. So it's just a disc. And at that point, I would take the um, the disc and glue it onto a brand new frag plug, and then anything that's not flesh, I'll take super glue and super glue the whole damn thing. Yeah. I mean, just a big ugly glob of super glue, but it allows me to keep the encrustment without bringing any of that unknown plug material on there. So, and I know that may sound crazy, but over the years, I mean, what 16 years of reefing now, almost every bad thing I ever got came on some form of a tile or a plug or a rock you know it rarely came on the acro itself or the coral itself unless it was a particular pest to that coral but um yeah the minute you ditch the plug 
you you have half your issues at that point. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree, and I agree with the jaw dropper thing. I uh, I recently picked up a jaw dropper actually from Tim yeah. Tim Herman. Of course, and, so and uh, I that was the one frag I didn't cut off. You know, I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking but about. It, yeah. it did survive my quarantine, which I was very pumped oh, about. You're brave. You're brave. I know. I know. And, and Tim's got clean stuff. I mean, I'm not. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. here, here's the thing, right? Uh, Tim, Tim, like runs super clean systems, and he's got like the best stuff. And and uh, I've had him on as a guest a couple of times. But yeah. you know what? You can't trust anybody in terms of like you know bringing in stuff and and dipping and right. you can't like to say hey i know this guy is so buttoned up and 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 has this big super you know detailed regime you gotta you gotta do the same stuff no matter who you're getting right. it from right you never know 100 percent agree with you i i have a trust no one mentality i don't I don't care who it is. It could be me. <laughs> if I met myself selling to myself, I would dip the heck out of it. I, and I joke about it. I dip from my display to my backup system. I, I dip from my backup system to my display. And I know that sounds crazy and anal, but, you know, the minute you have one pass and it makes it to the other system, then you know why you do that. So um, it's just avoiding nightmares is all I do now. So. So, so, Ty, what would you say would be good advice to folks out there that, um, you know, might not have a lot, a lot of money for a quarantine system and, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or, um, bringing in SPS frags and, uh, maybe they're new to it all mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And, and, um, what would you say the be the best, um, protocol would be for those folks that, um, want to try to keep pests out of their uh, systems? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be realistic. Not, I mean, not everyone obviously has a backup system that's fully functioning. Even not everyone has the capacity to do what you're doing and set up kind of a smaller setup. I can at least keep them alive and happy enough until you get it out of there. So realistically, for those that just have one system and you want to do acros, my my advice would be, obviously, one, we've already reiterated that, but ditch the plug. Please, please, please ditch the plug. You know, buy one little bag of plugs and use that. Re-glue it, put it on your new plug, dip them, and then get it in the system. And then keep the old plugs that you pulled them off, and then you can just recycle. So the next one that comes in, take those old plugs. Bloom on there. You always have this constantly running uh, batch of plugs that you can always reuse and reuse all the time. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, ditch the plugs. Then do your dip. Uh, again, I'm a big proponent of potassium chloride. Uh, you look up Farmer Tie Triple Dip. Um, Google it. You will see what I've put together as far as for Bayer potassium chloride and interceptor. Now, granted, like what I told you guys, seven or eight times. I know that's a lot of money. <laughs> I know that's a lot of pills. Uh, the other alternative is uh, also Dr. G's, which is actually even more expensive when you look at it per volume. But Dr. G's is a quick pinch to not have to crush tablets every time to do interceptors. You know, I, so, you, uh, you turned me on to Dr. G's. Yeah. Yeah. I found that, sure that, that, was actually, that was actually kind of a harsher uh, treatment than the interceptor, I thought. Okay. Yeah, but, and you did it for the prescribed amount, like it did, like four to six hours or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it was a so, long dip, like six hours, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so to me, like uh, using that, I have a bottle. It makes sense when it's just a small application. When I'm not pulling out the full interceptor pill and crushing it and putting it in the system, this Dr. G's is liquefied already. Yeah. Um, and and you can literally just pour it into whatever you're dipping your uh, you know your frags in and put it in there. But yeah, so just. Move the frag plug, glue it on your own, dip it, 
and put it in a, maybe a rack or somewhere where you can easily observe it and kind of monitor it. You know, flip it, look at it daily just for a little while until you can kind of make sure it looks clean, happy. And at that point, you're, you're generally pretty safe. It's not going to be as surefire as having its own QT and doing that or having an entire separate backup system. But I think it's more uh, applicable to most hobbyists, like not having or not being able to do a QT system or even having one. You know, Aquos is not, they're not going to just be happy throwing, being thrown into any system. So even if you set something up, 20 gallon put some rocks in it they're not going to be happy you know that needs to be a stable yeah. kind of running system so i get it and so that's what i would advise it kept me out of a lot of trouble over the years once i started implementing that uh before i had a backup system to go into so um we've got a question from i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher the uh, screen name here uh manoj santush i have one question about your coral qt <clears throat> did you get your system cycled or just water changes bi-weekly uh, maybe that question is for me. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm guessing for you because mine's a fully running system. Yeah, uh, I, I basically started my quarantine tank with established tank water, with and and I also had some um, some live rock that was um, actual live rock. So I, you know, it, it it pretty much was started as a mature system because of my uh, my other uh, system and the fact that I do fifty percent water changes every week is uh, with established tank water, not new new mm -hmm. water. It um, it pretty much does a trick and and yeah it uh it's definitely worked for me um so ty we've been talking oh. go ahead oh no, i was gonna say just to just to add on to that so like i was i was cycling some rock in a hundred gallon rubber made tub you know everyone knows little horse prop right and i took some of my established rock <clears throat> and i pulled water whenever i did water changes so literally what you talked about you did in your quarantine setup and, and just to throw more weight behind what you said just borrowing rock from your established system is 80% of the battle and then pulling, you know, good water across is helpful too. Uh, and then doing the water changes and doing like larger volume water changes in that thing. So I literally did that with this tub for eight to nine months, yeah. just cycling it, getting it going. It had some of my rock in it and every water change, I just dumped that water into there and pulled the old water out. This thing had a heater, it had lights over it and it had a pump. And I hand popped it off for eight to nine months. <laughs> and, and I put one frag in there, one acro frag, and that sucker grew to a mini collar really? inside of a tub with just rock, a heater, a pump, and light. And this is the most basic acro setup you can think of. So, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because we talk about, oh, well, if you run an acro system, you want it to be mature. Heck, you might even want to wait for a year because most of the things you put in that first year are going to have a hard, rough time. Um, but that tub, it was going at two months with this particular setup, getting mature rock from a system that's already keeping SPS, pulling into water and doing those water changes. And literally, I, I didn't know the nutrients in that thing. I didn't know the alkaline in that thing. I didn't know nothing of the parameters. But I looked down there, and that, that, that Pink Floyd little colony was growing every day. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. I'm like, how is this thing still alive? You know, and, and it's just simply that. Water changes, mature rock. And so I, I say that to back up what you're saying. Most people can do something very similar if they wanted to. Get a little nano cube or something like that, or a small 20-gallon quarantine. Pull some of their rock, either from the sump or from the display, and do water changes into it, and that can be a temporary setup for one, two, three, four weeks. And when you're done, 
take that rock, put it back in your display, and you're done, you know? And, and that might be an alternative. So. You know, and that also kind of speaks to, um, you know, how simplistic a setup can be to be successful with SPS, right? right? And, you know, you don't need all the bells and whistles to uh, to have success with it. But this. I like the bells Yeah, right? <laughs> They're so fun. <laughs> no. But, yeah, I fully agree. Yes, you don't need it all. I'm, uh, so. I'm actually doing something similar with my, uh, my yeah. 187-gallon tank reboot. You know, I've been cooking. Yeah. Um, I put some carob seed. Uh, life rock, which is dry rock. And and yeah. even though they say it's yeah. infused with bacteria, you know, it, it, it's sold dry and they say it's infused right. with bacteria. I, I'm not knocking carob seed, but uh, I kind of find it hard to believe that that's useful bacteria that's still yeah. kicking, but maybe it is. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I don't know. I'm not a biologist, <laughs> but you know, I've used, I used, that was what was cooking in my tub because, you know, I, I wanted to do some simpler rock in my display. So I grabbed that rock. And, and and that's what I seeded, and that's what I threw in my display. So it worked, yeah. and it made that Pink Floyd grow like crazy. So you know. it's a Pink Floyd in there. Yeah, it was. A- <laughs> Love that call. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was, you know, some people complain it never grows on them, and I was like, I got this thing growing in a tub. <laughs> like I don't even, I don't understand. I mean, it's growing almost as fast as my display one. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm doing something similar, you know. So I've been cooking that yeah. in a hundred gallon Rubbermaid tub, and and um, right. doing ten percent weekly water changes with the established tank water, and 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 um, I'm also dosing bacteria in, in into that uh, tub. Are you a? I, I can't remember. Did we talk about dosing bacteria? Are you a bacteria you doser? Know, I think I think we we touched on it. I I don't. I I, I did for that when I cycle rocks. More bacteria, the better for me. You know, I want that. I want that little gumbo of bacteria in there, you know, just all mixing up and doing whatever it needs to do. Uh, but I don't do it to my systems that are actively running. I don't feel like that's needed. <laughs> right. And uh, what what is your uh, method in terms of nutrient uh, export at this point in time? Your skimmer and... Yeah. Yeah. I'm just uh, skimmer typically rated for double the system. Um, right now, lately, you know, I've done all kinds of methods. So, you know, I've done bio pellets. I've done vodka. I've done... You know, uh, right now I'm doing fusion with Kato in it. You know, I, it just whatever fits the bill for whatever the system is. And uh, systems are so different. And they can be a solution that's different for everybody. But uh, right now the refugium with the Kato seems to be holding up with the display. The backup system, I don't even, it's just a skimmer on that thing. Because there's such low biological load on that, you know, minus the corals. I've got like a handful of fish. I probably got like six fish in that whole system. So I don't do a lot of exporting in that. I mean, I want to lead some of that in the system. And yeah. I think that's something that we get caught up with sometimes with Acro, excuse me, is, um, you know, we, we our, our, our methods have gotten so much better. Our technology has gotten so much better that we can clean strip a system of nitrates and phosphates. And then we didn't realize that like, oh my gosh, Acro, you know, they don't appreciate that as much. They're looking really pale and looking really thin. And, and, and now it's like nitrates instead of one or zero. Mm. Everyone's like, 10, 15, 20 nitrates these days. So, you know, it just depends. But, um, yeah, that's my main export, skimmer. And then uh, refugium on that one on the main system. Now, the main system has set up with auto water changes, four gallons a day. On oh, a dude, that scares me. The auto water Yeah, auto, I don't like what? that, man. I don't like that. <laughs> Why? Nah, I don't know. Too much automation. You don't, don't want to get it out of your yeah, hands. Yeah, exactly. Huh? It, 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 yeah, and you're going to freak out even more, but, like, <laughs> So the auto water change four gallons a night. It usually when I'm in working later at night, like eight eight till eleven. Usually when I'm working in the fish room, and um, 
And so it turns on and it's doing its thing. So I'm there when it's doing it. I don't do it at like two or three in the morning when I can't monitor. All right. So it's going on. You're babysitting it. Literally, I'm kind of babysitting it. And, and so it'll pump it into my my uh, uh, my uh, skimmate. I, I can't even call it a cup. It's like a 10-gallon reservoir. So all my skimmate goes into this, but I pump the excess of removed water going out into that bucket too. And then it has a sensor. Once that sensor is tripped, the pump that's in that reservoir will pump everything out of there and pump it into my drain sink across on the other side of the fish room. So like every night when that thing gets too full, as it's doing the auto water changes, it'll fill that bucket and, <laughs> and it'll pump it out of there and it'll shoot it and it'll give me a notification like, job done, boss. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll check it periodically, make sure it's not clogged or anything. But yeah, I, I love it. Four gallons a day. I mean, I can't do that myself. Life's too crazy. But we're at to do that four gallons a day. I hear him. Nice. I hear you. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say, yeah, I, you know, in terms of uh, nutrient export for myself, you know, I, um, I yeah. took my Kato offline. I had Kato on both systems and I took it offline when I started doing yeah. the bacteria dosing. And, and yeah. that pretty much has been, that been doing pretty that's well? been doing pretty well, you know, but, um, nice. you know, with yeah. 187 gallon reboot, my, um, my, uh, my phosphates have been going up because I've been pulling a lot of coral out of there and stuff. And so, oh, yeah. so, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm kind of like an, an inflection point. Got to kind of see what, uh, what I want to do if I want to bring Kato back online or maybe dose more bacteria. I don't know, yeah. but you know, it's a balance. Kato is such a mess, man. <laughs> it is. And it crashes and all this, and you got to yeah. dose the iron and all the supplements and all that yeah. stuff. And, and, uh, all that junk that grows on the side of your stump because of it, you start seeing, you know, a film of algae and you skimmer because it's, close by the light and it's just it's a pain i i'll, I'll be honest i'll probably be switching to a, a, a probably a turf scrubber maybe the clearwater brand i know they're coming out with a new model so i might be switching over something a little cleaner you know i just pull out the little thing and scrape and put it back in the only thing i don't like about yeah the only thing i don't like about turf scrubbers is that uh is the plumbing right i mean i think there's a potential for those things to overflow unless you can like what? unless you can like i guess um position it over a sump then if it does right. overflow then it's going to go into the sump Thing. I don't know, and, and that's where I mean I built mine with a forty-inch stand, so I got I got room to work with with that. And supposedly, I mean I don't know, I, I haven't seen the full model yet, but supposedly this new model is it, it, it's set up so that you don't have to worry about leaks. So whatever that is, it's it, they built on a, a built on their prior design to fix certain things that they didn't like about it. So, so Ty, we've been talking a lot about um, pest prevention, but like, what happens when yeah. we get pests in our systems? You know, that's uh, <laughs> that that's that's a bummer, right? I mean, that that sucks. What uh, I mean, it's this is always like a big debate in terms of acroating flatworms. What uh, what do you think uh, is the best course of action if you actually find acroating flatworms in your display tank? You know, I think it's one of those points of discussion, and it's interesting because you know there is a pretty good report out there, a study that was done on acroating flatworms in the hobby. Like this isn't just like a scientific paper on acroating flatworms in like you know natural reefs. This is like in the hobby, uh, a study was done. Uh, get her name, Kate. Oh, uh, we'll maybe link it later. But it, it's an actual full-on scientific study, and they you know, charted life cycles, temperature de de uh, deviations on how quickly they grow in like warmer temperatures and colder temperatures. So they nailed like the life cycle down. So we have a very good picture. If you had 78 degrees in your tank, you know, most likely when those eggs are going to hatch. Mm. So you have a very good idea of when that second generation is coming. So going back to your, your question on that and how I would approach it, if it is in your display system, 
Um, my my pool, if if I were to go back, because you know I fought it. Oh, was it 2011? About two years in the acros at that time, still learning the ropes. Dipping was kind of a newer thing at the time. Yeah. Back then, we just like, here's a frag. Here's a frag of Oregon Tort. Bang. You pluck it in, you go. <laughs> uh, we didn't dip very much back yeah, then. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, so, you know, like, it was kind of new to me. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, pluck it in. Then accurating flat ones. I'm like, oh, okay, well. So, so for me, at least, what worked well at the time, that was in Bayer was just kind of there. People were starting to experiment with Bayer, and it was working well. So, for me, remove the con i know it sounds like a pain <clears throat> remove the conleys you had to break them off the rocks wherever they are you calc whatever's left of the encrustment so that's that's food for the accurating plant ones and then with me and there's other ways that you can do it i literally plumbed a hundred gallon rubbermaid tub you can buy them for like 80 bucks at uh, you know farm store or whatever and i plumbed it into my system so that it drained into there and pumped back up into my stuff yep. so I removed every single colony and I put it in that tub and then I weekly dipped it with Bayer. Shook it like crazy because Bayer usually stuns them. It doesn't kill them. doesn't dissolve them like potassium chloride in your face, but it like stuns them enough that you can shake them off. So the key is shake it like crazy, examine for eggs, super glue, scrape eggs, whatever it is, put it back on the frag rack that you have in that Rubbermaid tub. And then for me at least, you know, I put a, a stock at the end of the export or the exit line of my tub just in yeah, case, you through. know, any babies or anything get through that 50 micron and just pull them out was my hope. I really didn't know the size of, you know, barely born accurating fat ones, but I assumed it worked well. And and so I did that weekly for a period of like six to eight weeks. And again, I didn't know the life cycle very yeah. much then, but six to eight weeks seems like it would cover it. But yeah, like literally if there was any left in the display, they would starve out. There was no encrustment to feed on. There was no acros to feed on. Their food source is gone. So 68 weeks later, display should be dead. Anything in there should be dead. And then you're weekly dipping in the tub. 68 weeks later, you're good to go. The beauty of that setup was that it's ugly one. So that's not the beauty of it. But yes, it's ugly. But you're still using a mature SPS system's water quality yeah. to keep your acros alive. Because if you try to pull this and do it on a separate system, they're dead from the water quality, not from the aquarating flat one. They're going to die from the water quality or the lack of water quality. Right. So that's how I personally would approach it. It's a lot of pain, but really you're just adding essentially a frag tank to your system and just dipping them within there and killing anything in the display so that they don't have, you know, an option. What, uh, did you have any, uh, like losses from the colonies? Uh, you know, I mean, there was one or two that was kind of ticked that I moved them and the lighting change, slow change, whatever it may be. But like, really, I, it was like 80, 90% survival. Like it, they didn't take it very hard at all. And then Bayer is very sensitive. I mean, Bayer's not very uh, harsh on them. So it, it worked out well. And I think if I didn't have Bayer at the time, I think I would have been hosed. You know, that was back in the day, you know, late, late 2000, uh, 2008, 2009, where if you got accurate in platinum, your system is done. Yeah. USPS system is gone. It was it was a tank killer, and, and since Bayer came out, it's not a tank killer. And now that we have potassium chloride and other options too, I mean, we didn't even touch on Melifix. It's something that I wanted uh, to yeah. start trying. I know people have been using it for a while. I haven't tried it myself, so I would love to give it a try and see because you know I've heard it's not very harsh as long as you use it correctly and you don't go over your time limit. Anything over your time limit, and it's gonna die. So I, you know, that kind of scared me at first to think about that, but. Uh, I wanted to start trying it, you know, any alternative. 
I'm open to looking into. So. What's the advantage of using Meliflix versus the other um, stuff we've been talking about? Uh, you know, for me at least, because potassium chloride can be a little harsh, and I've heard differently from Meliflix. I've heard it's not as harsh. And so I just wanted to give it a try and see. You know, it's one of those experimental kind of things. I think I still stick with potassium chloride because it's super cheap. Um, I've known and I'm used to it. So, um, um, so I'd probably stick with it. But, you know, there are other alternatives, something like a little more sensitive, but I don't want to dip potassium chloride in. Maybe it's Melifix time for that, you know, instead of going to Bayer. So. You like to experiment, right, Ty? Um, <laughs> the... Um, uh, Reefkeeper saying aquawing flatworms blow right off with the Meliflix. Uh, Meliflix seems pretty gentle as well. Um, interesting. Yeah, you know, and, and the one thing I also want to point out in terms of what you were talking about with your method of uh, fighting aquawing flatworms in a mature reef tank is that you had to make sure that you had no encrusted, you know, any, any encrusted acros left on that rock. You had to, like, basically, if you did, you'd have to make sure they were clean cut off and right. Yeah. Because most colonies, you can cut up the stock or wherever it's based, and the encrustment will stay. And I know the the, the easiest thing I found: turn on only a tenex, only a blue light, and look from the tank down, and you will see all the encrustment. It'll light up like a Christmas tree. And at that point, you get calc paste. For those aren't familiar, just get you know calc the powder and add a little tank water or RO water until it becomes this like gooey, gooey kind of paste. And then you can apply it and just smear it on. Use gloves because it can burn your fingers, but just smear it on. Or I was able to make it wet enough that I could suck it up with a little pipette and just squeeze it on. And since it's heavier, denser, it just kind of falls down. You can squeeze it on these areas and just calc and kill whatever you want. And this kills everything. Well, that ki- that, that's not going to get the eggs though, right? Uh, I would be surprised if eggs survived a calcopate. Really? Uh, because the pH goes crazy sky high. I mean, it's basically burning it to death. Um, I've never seen anything survive calcase. So just throwing that. I don't know, man. I, I got some resilient aptasia. That, you know, I've, I've calc pasted them, man. And they're like. Feed it to them. See what they do. You but know, pe- pe- for me, though. peppermint yeah. shrimps is the way to like, you know, zap, get, oh, get yeah. rid of the uh, the aptasia. You know, peppermint shrimp yeah. are, uh, I think, very um, useful addition to a reef tank. You know, I think that. Um, they might be unutilized, if anything, because, uh, you know, they're, they're the ones from what you said, West Florida? Yeah. <clears throat> they pick it right off yeah. the acro eating platform. Yeah. And they might have to go in a couple of my acro systems just because, you know, just, just to be there. Yeah. Um, so somebody asked the question, will aquarating flatworms eat monties? The answer is no. But you do not want to have um, the Monty eating nudies. That yeah. would be. Uh, I, I hear that's worse. I hear that's way worse. Um, so. Great Bearded Reef, uh, buddy of mine, swears by Melifix. Um, Another one, too, yeah. Uh, and Paul's also saying, picked up a new copper band butterfly. Those yeah. are good um, pest eaters, too. So, dude, let's yeah. let's talk about uh, let, let's let's uh, switch topics here, man, and talk about yeah. what's going on with you. What's uh, what's uh, what's new and different? You 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 were uh, you uh, mentioning you got a new kind of exciting venture coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, one of my good buddies here in town, uh, he owns a local fish store in town, uh, River City Aquatics, Jake Wand. And you know, we've been kind of throwing it back and forth for a long time now. But I think you know, we just kind of both hit this point in our lives where we're like. Yeah, I think that uh, that'd be a good venture. We just partnered it up, and and the main reason I'm an acro guy. I I I, I tell him all the time. I'm I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> I, 
I got one thing. Well, hold on, dude. You got you got some beautiful uh, Gaudia Pura Navia port too, right? I mean, that's that's a thing. <laughs> well, I'm just ninety five percent of my stock is active port. So yeah, yeah so I dabble in other things here and there, but like I, I tell them, I'm a one trick pony. I got one thing going on. So if someone goes to like my website to buy stuff, they're like, hey, you got you got any like LPS? You got? Any? I'm like, nope. Nope, I don't got any of that. You got any brains? I'm like, nope, nope. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, uh, you know, I always felt like, oh, okay. Well, I'm really hyper focused on a certain thing, but you know, not every reefer just wants acros. Um, in my personal opinion, they all should, but you know, not everyone just wants acros. <laughs> Me too. So, uh, <laughs> and so he he uh, he owns a local fish store. He has contacts importing, you know, so he he has uh, experience importing. So I kind of threw it out to him. I'm like, look, if we you're, I'm aquaculture, and you're importing. I mean, the things that we can supply and the things that the options that we can give reefers would be amazing. You know, I, I mean, it's like one-stop shopping, whatever you want, this and that. So, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time, and I think we're we're, we're there. I think we're we're getting to the point where we're starting to work together now. And I think our hope is that September there may be a big change coming up, and uh, and and farmer time may might slide to the side and there might be a new entity. Oh, really? um, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's where it's headed. And I'm, I'm very excited about it mainly because, you know, my operations in my home and that's great. You know, the kids, I can work from home. I can kind of do this all day while I have the kids and I can monitor it, but really it, it's outgrowing my home. And, and, and this allows us the opportunity to get a, a space and allows us just focus on just that. And it gets this all out of my home. And, 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 and I, I guess the big part is, you know, what am I going to do with all these tanks that I have at home once all of that leaves and I go on this, this partnership and, and, and start doing aquaculture and, and import. And I was like, oh, there's a, there's a next phase, Keith, with the stuff that I have at home that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to head towards, but is, is, is I'm looking to set up the systems to, to spawn. Oh, wow. So, so I want to I want to work on trying to spawn corals at this point because you know we there's 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 issues of natural reefs we're 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 coming up on a lot of death and, and loss and 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 bleaching events and you know I don't anticipate it getting any better so you know if we can look to to find a way not to asexually reproduce them but to sexually reproduce them then that's something that we should do and you know you. And many other hobbies had the tools to do it. Yeah, I mean, we're all there. So if we as a community are able to do this, I mean, can you imagine the implications? You know, like if we started breeding and spawning higher heat tolerant acros, you know how big of a difference that would yeah, make big, in huge. natural systems? Yeah. And I granted, you know, there's a whole long process of, of getting approved to putting them back in the ocean. You know, obviously. But uh, but I'm I'm dreaming here, and, and that's my dreaming side a little bit. But I, I want to start diving into spawning a little bit more. And I had a random spawn; it was unintentional. Not my systems weren't even geared for trying to spawn, but randomly one day, and I posted a video, uh, one of my YouTube videos. But yeah, one of my my inland cyclops of all things just decided to start bubbling one night. I'm like, what's going on over there? And it's spewing eggs. I mean, it's just going nuts. And I'm like, oh, well, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. What was the formula for that? I have no clue <laughs> because you know, it usually they got a seasonal variations of temperature, longevity of daylight, uh, moon phases, all of this that you kind yeah. of program into your into your apex and make it happen. But 
this guy, I mean, he was same eight hours every day, really? dawn to death. Temperature was roughly about the same because it's a fish room with its own mini slit that keeps a certain temperature in here. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on with you, buddy, but good for you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there was so. uh, yeah some good times going on in that tank. <laughs> I, was, I was just sitting there watching the video, but I was like, oh, there's something happening in here. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the possibilities. I'm more excited just 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 full on diving in. You know, I, I, I kept my day job after a certain sense, and now I'm like, you know what? I This is my passion. I need to follow it. This is where life is taking me. I'm excited about it. So, uh, oh, good for you, Ty, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. sounds really exciting. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's uh, sometimes you got to just kind of like follow the heart there and and and, yeah. and go with what uh, you know, go with the uh, the passion and all that stuff. So uh, I applaud uh, I applaud the uh, the move there, dude. Thank you. Um, we had a question from Variant, and and I have a little experience with this, but curious yeah. about you. Um, do you and Ty think a skimmerless SPS tank is possible? And if so, what what's needed to accomplish it? This uh, in the effort of accomplishing more with less. What do you think about that? Um, you know, to be honest, my backup system, there's a skimmer on it. Uh, it never pulls out enough skimmate to make it even worth it. So, like, I empty that cup once every four months. So, really, it's my overpriced air bubbler. Um, yeah, I like a so skimmer that, for the pH and, and all, you know, right. the aeration. That's what I like it for. So, yeah, so we're agreed on that. So I would say yes to that question. Yes, you can absolutely run a skimmerless. Bio loads should be a little bit lower. And you're not trying to run an overpacked fish system with it. But yeah, you can totally do it. And the main thing is, I if, if I wasn't running that in there for aeration and keeping the pH up, um, that I would be dosing calc. So I would put calc in the auto top off. And that's my way of keeping that the pH a little bit higher without the use of this overpriced air bubbler as a, as a skimmer, you know? So, I mean, literally the cup never gets changed. So I know it's not removing anything. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tried going skimmerless with uh, one of my tanks a while ago and it just, uh, yeah. did not go well. So, out? nah. And what do you think that I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you think? Uh, um, I have to like, dig back into my notes and okay, yeah. and then see exactly why um it didn't work out but um i you know it's it's a delicate balance right in terms of a reef tank yeah. and, and if you got a, a reef tank that's in balance and then all of a sudden you take your skimmer offline then that's going to upset the apple cart and you got to be able to compensate for that sort of thing and and um you know so it's com it's a complex situation but i you know i know it's i know people do it but you know like I said, I think um a skimmer definitely helps in terms of uh, the pH and the aeration i you know i dose caulkwasser and yeah. and um what i'm curious what's your ph uh typically uh what, what's your typical range for ph uh you know mine's pretty it's pretty wild so on the display it, it goes from eight to 8.5 daily uh i i would consider that a larger swing than most but you know it, it doesn't it doesn't affect anything that i've seen at least uh on the backup system i really should be running calcinate it, it's getting 7.9 to 8 point i'm a uh, 7.9 8.1 I was a little low for me. I prefer it closer to the 8.2, 8.3 range. So that one is a prime candidate for calc. Um, um, so yeah, that's where at least my my levels go. Calcium reactors. I, I swear by them. Yeah. And, and both of them. I got one on either system. I, and I'm not saying you can't run it without it. I just think that there's so many trace elements that come off the media that you use 
that I mean, you're basically breaking down the bodies of acros that were previously living. So whatever input that they needed to make their calcium bodies, you're putting it right back. And so that's a big deal to me um, versus the purity of like two part where it's just carbonate or, you know, it's just uh, uh, alk, you know, it's just calcium. That's it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I swear by calcium reactors all day. I know people can get intimidated by them. They're really simple when you get to the end of it. You're just lowering the pH in the water and it melts. Yeah. And then you just tune it to whatever is uptaking. It's super simple. How um how do you go about tuning a calcium reactor? Because there's a lot of different ways to tune it. You can um basically oh, okay. adjust the pH set point inside the calcium reactor, <laughs> you can um increase the bubble count, you can, you know, play around with the effluent flow rate. What's your uh, go to in terms yeah. of tuning a reactor? So yeah, you know, those are those are your three dials that you can play with basically. Yeah, I mean you alluded it perfectly to that. And so like to me, Flow rate stays the same. I always like to have it just above it, right when it gets to a steady stream. So, you know, when you're turning on, it's drip, 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 drip. And once it goes, and the first steady stream you get, that's where I, and I never mess with flow from that point yeah. on. Because when you have 20 different variables, you turn this, it changes that. It's right. Keep one so that you only have two variables from that point. And then from there, I'm more I'm more of a pH guy. Yeah, me I, too. I, I, I adjust the pH, and obviously that's, you know, do the cutoff on the bubbles, but I allow the apex to cut it off when it hits a certain pH and turn back on and cut it off. And that allows the solenoid to get a break too, because it's not supposed to be always open. So you want it to close and rest and then open back up and close and rest. And it allows it to, excuse me, have a longer life cycle. But um, yeah, I typically uh, just do that. And the beauty of that is you can do that on vacation. That's why yeah, I, I know like remotely. That. It's so because easy. Yeah, you can't turn the bubble knob. You can't do any of that, but you can affect where it shuts off with the pH and where it turns back on. So you can be in Cancun and you can see that your alk is dropping and you're like, oh, I better. So you lower your pH range and boom, that alk starts going back up. And it's beautiful. And so it's funny because when we talk about calcium reactors, you know, Datasco, you know, the, the, yeah, the super high end, one. yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I'm running one on the display system, and I, I will say this, it's beautiful. It does exactly what it said. It simplifies everything. I literally just click a knob or turn a dial. I'm like, oh, I need more out. I turn it up. I need less. I turn it down. Yeah. Beautiful. The way that they set up, so for people who don't have an Apex or don't have remote control of any kind, this is perfection. It's so simplified. But I think it's, to me at least, I feel it's a little bit dated now. Because we have so much wireless access to our systems and remote access to our systems, it's a hindrance for me now because on my backup system, which I have just a regular reef octopus calcium reactor, I can do what we said. Wherever I am, yep. I can change that range to match my out once the test reads and it's like high or low. Yep. With my Datasco, I cannot do that because the pH is set to six no matter what. Mm. It runs at six. It is not. It's not variable. So I can't change my pH range oh, really? on that. So, so the only way I can control it is with a plug. And so with the apex, all I can do is tell it shut it off. So if it hits like, you know, I like to keep it about eight, eight and a half. If it hits eight and a half or above, and Trident says it's above eight and a half, apex shuts it off. But that's it. I can't tune it down. Right. I can't tune it up when I'm not there. I can tell someone to go turn that knob for me, but unless I buy a little 
you know, system that turns a knob for yeah, me. Yeah, can't, I can't do, do it. Yeah. How um how often are so you doing the uh, integrated? Yep. How often huh? are you doing alk readings to um inform the calcium reactor? I mean, how many times a day? I just do it on the standard twice a day in lowest setting. I mine doesn't there it's not variable. Um, it's an insure system that's got a stable stock in it, so uh, it just matches the growth rate. So I don't have to mess with it much. I would say if it was something that changes a lot more, I would personally get probably like an alkatronic or something and have it read like every two or three hours. And that way, it's just purely reading out and telling me, and then I can tune it better, you know. Um, Reefkeeper's wondering, do you ever have to purge the uh, Destaco? I ran a Bill Juan ACR, and you would have to purge it once in a while. Oh, so, I, you know, at least for me, it's, it's, got, it's actually got an auto-purge system on it with the CO2. Uh, I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing, but it has a chamber that fills up with CO2, and then it's fully saturated as it goes through. And that's what keeps the pH at six. And then, you know, as the saturation of CO2 goes down, it will, and it doesn't know this, it's just on a time interval, but it will flush the whole CO2 and then fill it back up again. So it does an auto flush. If that's, I, I'm guessing that's what you're talking about. Uh, I'm not familiar with the Bill 1 one, but uh, it does its auto flush. So I don't, literally, I don't have to do anything with it. It's, just, it's beautiful. It's just, I turn the knob. I've heard great things about those reactors, but that's interesting what you say in terms yeah. of uh, yeah. dying, dying, you know, being able to control it remotely. Yeah. Right. For my application, like anybody else that maybe doesn't need to do it remotely, yeah, simple little dial turn and you walk away. It's so simple. It's just beautiful. So, Ty, man, um, we're uh, we're getting into an hour and a half of this uh, live stream, and, and I don't want to, like, um, take up too much more of your time because you were a champ to uh, be a pinch hitter <laughs> last minute and come on the stream tonight, dude, and I thank you uh, so much. Any any uh, final uh, thoughts, man, before we sign off tonight? Man, you know, I just – I think we get caught up in all the little details of reefing sometimes, and this is a reflection of myself, too, so – I just wanted, as I've gotten this lately, I get so much into the details of like, oh my gosh, this piece is not happy. Oh, but these are, you know, what can I change? What can I do? What can I do? Am I feeding it more? Does it need different flow? That I think as a whole, I'm just saying as a recent community, I just want to say, let's all, you know, if let's all take a step back and let's, let's just look at your display. Enjoy the beauty of it. Enjoy what you were able to do to take these animals and keep them happy and yeah. mostly happy in your system and just enjoy the beauty of it and know, you know, that, that we we're in it for the love of this, this hobby. We're in it for the love of the growth of these corals. And, and I know I'm, I'm going on the commercial side a little bit more and I'm, I'm selling frags and this and that. And, and, and this is just a self-reflection I've had lately. So I wanted to at least say it while I had the audience to say it, but let's get back to the roots of a beautiful system sharing with friends and like hey these pictures and posting on social media posting on forums wherever and just just let's get back to the beauty of the hobby and 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 you know i'd love for us to head that direction and and, and just share it with everybody you know just enjoy it so great uh great words uh tie to wrap it up and and jesse thank you very much for that super chat our first super chat for the evening there but uh, right under the wire and appreciate that thank you very very much <laughs> 
Well, no, 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 you guys all think my wife, she's the one who's got the kids. Yeah, right that's now. why I don't want to like, keep you much longer, dude. I want to get you in trouble. <laughs> I'm already so, uh, yeah, listen, um, Ty, thank you so much. Be sure to check out uh, FarmerTyFrags.com or whatever, you know, new venture. I'm assuming there'll be a redirect, right? If there's a... Uh, there, there will be. So just stay tuned and there'll be a redirect and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, listen... Thanks, uh, thanks again, uh, Ty, for being on the show. And I also want to thank both the uh, Bulkery Supply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the live stream and also all you folks out there for watching. And uh, finally, a big thank you to Paul, Great Bearded Reef, for moderating once again. Thank you, uh, Paul. Also want to let you know that all episodes of Wrapping with Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next live stream will actually not be a Wrapping with Reef Bum. I'm going to be live from Rap New York. If, yeah. if I get a good cell phone signal, if I, if I get a good cell phone signal, I'll uh, be live on Saturday around 1130 a.m. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'll walk around. Maybe we'll talk to a couple of people. I don't know. And uh, the next Wrapping with Reef Bum will be next Thursday, June 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Adam Sutherland from Frag Garage. So that should be another great show. And if you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of Wrapping with Reef Bum, please visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Well, until then, everybody, be safe, and we will see you next time.